0: it's time to take the quiz five questions five minutes a day five days a week
1: take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did play share and of course listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox
2: live from everywhere usa it's fox across america with jimmy Fallon.
3: oh would you look who came back to work jimmy Jimmy, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting once again from the tippy-top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, a guy who did not headline CPAC this weekend. No, I was out in Seattle, I was out in Sacramento raising holy hell, but Donald Trump did headline CPAC. We will cover the highlights as the 2024 race heats up. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. <laughs> I don't doubt he's passionate about it. We will also get into Jill Biden clapping back at Nikki Haley's claim that Joe Biden does not need to take a cognitive exam. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. I'm honestly not sure that we can, but we will get into it with Jim Jordan and your fine self at 888 788 9910. We're back on the East Coast. The rules remain in place. You could be a Republican on the show. You could be a Democrat. You could be a Libertarian. You could be an Independent. Just don't be a. That is all. It's the only rule. Happy Monday. Welcome back to New York, Jimbo. I have really quick uh, if you were at my shows at the Federal Way Performing Arts Center Friday, if you were there at the Crest Theater Saturday night, uh, this soundbite is for all of you. <laughs> Just such next-level, phenomenal crowds. Like, you, you have to know that. It was, such a, <laughs> it was such a good, crazy, debauched time. Every second of it. Like, I literally, when I was on stage Saturday, Friday night in Seattle, like, I was literally dragging the last minute of my, the last joke I told on stage. It's a joke my grandma Fela told me back when I was a little kid. If you're there, you know the story. And uh, I was literally dragging the bit because I just, I didn't want the show to end. I did an hour and 47 minutes. Do you know what I'm contracted to do? 45. You're supposed to show up, do 45, do an hour, get some applause, throw a few fist bumps on the way off stage, take a few selfies in the lobby and be like, all right, get these people away from me. Uh, But our shows are the absolute opposite of that. They're just the greatest hang in the world, and it's so wild. To be at like the tip of the spear in that this society has really defunded the joke police. Okay, comedy now is like very punk rock. Like we show up because we're embracing the idea that there's still a frontier in this world where you can say whatever the hell you want. Remember freedom. Uh, Well, it is certainly back. It is alive and well on the comedy stages that I happen to be frequenting. So thank you to everybody who has powered that. And uh, the Sacramento crowd as well. That was outrageous. Really, just nuts. And uh, I am happy to inform you that my car was there. This had become a point of controversy because I had the street park in Sacramento, which uh, is not something anybody advises. Because every time you park a car under Gavin Newsom's leadership, you have invited the locals to turn it into a housing colony. Okay, you look at it as a parking space, they look at it as a two-bedroom apartment.
2: What the hell is the world coming
3: to? It really is a mess, but uh, I am happy to report nobody was living in my car uh, when I got out of the gig. I made it home safely, uh, not without a three-hour layover at O'Hare Airport where I may have broken the state record for liquor consumption. Fat, drunk,
2: and stupid is no way to go through life,
3: sir. <laughs> it's amazing. I didn't have a drink Friday, didn't have a drink Saturday, but I had a three-hour layover yesterday, and I sure as hell got my money's worth. Uh, and I had a good time at the airport bar doing what? I was watching clips of the Trump speech. Okay, Donald Trump spoke Saturday night at CPAC. That's where he was. DeSantis skipped it. He gave a speech yesterday at the Reagan Library. We'll get to that as well. But there's a thing going on with Trump in the 2024 race and that we're still in the infancy stages of this race. DeSantis hasn't gotten into the ring yet. It sounds an awful lot like Mike Pompeo thinks he could be the next president. Wrong. Okay, but we know Nikki Haley's in. We know Trump is in. We know DeSantis is coming. There's a lot of chatter about maybe Tim Scott. Some people think Mike Pence has a shot of jumping in the ring. I don't know if Trump's a fan of that. Go home to mommy. Go home... Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. All right. I didn't think that was going to go over well. Uh, But there's one element that can't be discounted no matter where this race takes us. Okay, when Trump gets in front of a microphone, you're getting something out of the guy. You're not getting anywhere else in politics. Okay, it's funny. It's entertaining. It's not even a commentary on whether or not he's going to win the election or the nomination. I have no idea. It's so early. It's, you know, when you really think back to... 20 months out in election, presidential election history, like 20 months, 20 months before the 2008 election, okay, Barack Obama was not the favorite to win that election. The favorite in 2008 was the people's pantsuit Hillary Clinton. And that primary came and went, and she was nowhere near winning it. This is not okay. Now, of course, uh, she was also the favorite into t- heading into 2016, overwhelmingly so, against Trump, but that was also an election that left her howling at the moon. And now there's talk that Biden might not run, and who knows, she could get in again. People are saying she's, you know, she has the energy to give it another shot.
4: I don't feel no ways tired.
3: I don't doubt it. But the point is, it would be impossible for me to sit here and predict. I can offer you my opinion. I can offer you how I think this race is going to break but there are outside elements that are going to shape this race world events will transpire between now and election day 2024 markets will shift you know domestically we'll have developments that impact our opinion of who the next leader should be obviously the world stage pretty complex but the one thing you get out of trump every time he gets in front of a microphone is you know he gives gives you some trumpy stuff there'll be a nickname you know there'll be some type of you know silly take on societal events you'll never forget the time Megyn kelly You know, called him out for what? (laughs) You want to be president of the United States, but can you really be in charge of the female vote when you've called women dogs and pigs and slobs? (laughs) Trump famously raised his hand and said, only Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) He might have won that debate. First question in Cleveland because he gave you that, you know, shock and awe, that thing. But what was noteworthy, just one clip I'm going to cut to from CPAC over the weekend, is he kept the ball over the plate a little bit more. Okay, took shots at plenty of people, got plenty of laughs. Okay, but he threw the ball down the middle when he was talking about the direction of the Republican Party. And this is one thing that cannot be understated about the challenge facing the Republican Party between now and 2024, the voters absolutely, positively, overwhelmingly, 100% want what Trump represents. Whether or not Trump gets a nomination again, I don't know. But what I mean by what Trump represents are, number one, pro-American policies. Number two, they don't want a traditional GOP that is a go-along-to-get-along party. Okay, the GOP often behaves like a uniparty. You know, I'm talking about the Mitch McConnells of the world. I'm talking about the upper echelons of this party that are all on board with endless funding of wars in Ukraine, that are fine with all the globalism and everything in between. The point is, whoever takes this thing, whether it's Trump or anybody else, is going to take it with Trump policies. Here's Trump talking about the GOP clip 14.
5: We will beat the Democrats. We will rout the fake news media. We will expose and appropriately deal with the rhinos. We will evict Joe Biden from the White House. And we will liberate America from these villains and scoundrels once and for all. When we started this journey, a journey like there has never been before, there's never been anything like this. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, (laughs) globalists, open-border zealots, and fools, but we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Karl Rove, and Jeb Bush.
3: Look at Trump. Fired up. You've got to get mad. Fired up. No, no, he's not wrong, though. The Republican Party doesn't want to go back to traditional establishment politicians. Understand this, just really quick. Donald Trump was only possible as a president, but as a Republican nominee in 2016, Because of just how much the establishment politicians screwed the country. Bingo. I'm not talking just about the Democrats. I'm talking about the Republicans, too. Okay, understand, the Republican Party didn't do a good job. If they did, if traditional politicians were doing a good job, there wouldn't have been an appetite for an outsider like Donald Trump to walk in off the street and take the 2016 nomination. And in winning the nomination... OK, not only did he capture this tremendous populist headwind from voters that were sick of Washington selling us out, but in winning the nomination, he also got right into office and exposed just how corrupt Republicans were in terms of how they were misleading this country. Understand, the Republican Party—OK, okay, and this was, might have been the naivete of Donald Trump in that he really didn't realize how swampy the swamp was—every single prominent figure in the Republican Party— ran for eight years on repeal and replace Obamacare. That's what they ran on. I'm going to repeal and replace Obamacare. That's all they did. It's the whole Tea Party movement. That was the, Obama's entire term. We're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. When Trump got into office, that was, of course, so popular that his first domestic policy he put forth was the repeal and replace of Obamacare. But here's a news flash. All of those establishment Republicans that ran on repeal and replace Obamacare didn't have a plan to repeal and replace Obamacare. That's just how white folks will do you. And that's how they did them. And if you remember, his first domestic priority failed. That's how Trump got into Washington. We're going to pass Obama. We're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. They didn't have a a replacement because they were more passionate about running on the issue than they were in terms of solving the actual issue. So if you remember, that vote failed with the late John McCain casting the deciding vote in the middle of the night, went up and essentially gave Trump the finger and said, congratulations, okay, your first domestic priority has been torpedoed. And that's how it went down. And that's because the traditional status quo Republican is no different than the status quo Democrat. They're making money. They're at the top of the food chain. They are the uniparty. The go along to get along, get fat off the lobbyist gravy train, let's go have a $7,000 lunch at Cafe Milano on K Street. That's who these people are. So what Trump represents is really, in a lot of ways, the frustrations of everyday Americans who are just sick of watching politicians run on one thing and do another. And the only reason Trump was able to win in 2016 is because they had given him the opening to take advantage of it. Okay, if Republicans had done their job, there's no way an outsider gets the reins of the party, no matter how funny, no matter how colorful he happens to be. Okay, if the Democrats had done their job, there's no way Trump actually pulls that thing off in the general. But the fact remains, okay, Trump won because he's entertaining, people love his policies, and they're sick of the D.C. establishment. And the reason I can't make a prediction, I have a gut on what would make this easier for the Republicans. I have a gut on what would make it easier for Trump one way or the other. We're going to talk about it today on the show. But the reason I'm not throwing my money down on the line is because there's the million things that can happen between now and then. But the one reason you can't count Trump out, it's not even because he knows what he's doing. And believe me, he has plenty of good ideas. But the reason you can't count him out is because the people he's up against in D.C. have no idea what they're doing.
1: We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Amen.
3: Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening
2: to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If you just heard the commercial, there's a new documentary out on Fox Nation called The Death of Hollywood. I'm not sure who's hosting it, uh, judging by the commercial. They didn't name the host. Uh, But I have it on pretty good authority that I hosted it. Apparently, I didn't do a good enough job to make the promo.
1: That's not right.
3: But I do believe it's streaming uh, sometime soon on Fox Nation. I wasn't given information on it, but uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. Anytime Fox chooses you to do anything, it's the biggest media platform on the planet, you man up and you throw the fastball. Uh, Right now, though, I got to be honest, there's a lot of curveballs being thrown when it comes to 2024. So, you know, Ron DeSantis is running. Let's just be clear about this. Okay, he's using his position as a state leader to prolong the rollout. He has another legislative session coming. He has a supermajority in his legislature. So he's going to be able to roll out his launch with a lot of major accomplishments under his belt. It's actually a very smart move, okay? But he's campaigning in the meanwhile. He's got an upcoming stop in Iowa. He spoke at the Club for Growth. Yesterday he was at the Reagan Library. Here's DeSantis— speaking purely squarely to achievement no sensationalism it's a little different than Trump like I said this is very much a weird rom-com okay in that the Trump nomination Trump is always like the character that's a little more roughshod and ramshackle and funny and unconventional and the opponent is always the guy she's supposed to marry there's a good life there's money. It's a you know, nice echelon of people. Nice you know, status will be hers. But there's something about it sometimes that might be a little too conventional. That's the choice in 2024 on the Republican side. OK, but here is DeSantis speaking to fundamentals, to deliverables for his supporters that are very much legitimate, like good. I mean, Florida is crushing it. So if I was him, I'd be touting my legislative record just the same. Here's clip three.
1: And I think if you look over the last four or five years and you look at the performances of individual states and you compare Florida versus California, New York, Illinois, some of those other states, we have had a great experiment, a great test in governing philosophies. Because, of course, you know we approach things much differently in Florida than you guys have out here, Uh, much differently in Florida than they've done in New York and in Illinois and many of these other states.
3: That's Gavin Newsom, by the way, speaking in California about how poorly that state is run. <laughs> it is funny, and it is worth mentioning that, yes, Democratic policies have turned the state of California into the world's largest outdoor toilet. But here he is making the case again, not with pot shots and name callings, but with deliverables. There are more people moving to Florida than any other state in the country. Clip four.
1: Florida has led the nation in net in-migration, I think three or four years in a row. California has either been number one or number two in net out-migration. New York is right up there with you on that. And we've seen people move from the West Coast, not just California, but Oregon and and Washington state in numbers like we've never seen. This is a result of better governance in states like Florida. It is a result of poor governance in these left wing states. That's why people are moving.
3: And that is why he's so formidable, by the way. You know how I always say in politics, like you are what your record says you are. You know, it doesn't, I don't want to hear you looked good in practice. If you've won two games and you lost seven, you're two and seven. You know, I don't want to hear that we're talented on both sides. We just got to start limiting the mistakes. No, you are what your record is. You are. You're two and seven. You suck. In his instance, uh, Florida is a dominant team right now. They've got better job numbers. They've got better net migration numbers, better tourism numbers, better COVID numbers. By all accounts, Florida is absolutely killing it. Now, the primary is going to be interesting. I honestly – I don't know how this is going to play out. All, all I know is we're about to have a spectacular, spectacular steel cage match in the Republican Party once he jumps into the, into the race. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. I mean, it's going – Hulkamania is going to be running wild, and I'm so excited to watch it. Like I, I, I'm thrilled. I got to tell you, like as a guy who – you know, I consume politics like it's sports. I can tell you who's winning. I can tell you who's losing. I can tell you why. And I do mean it when I say it. The whole matchup between Trump, DeSantis, and everybody else in the periphery is going to be wild because it's going to be a heavyweight clash of the Titans between those two. And who knows? They might beat each other up so bad that somebody else could sneak in and take the nomination, like a Haley or a Tim Scott. We'll continue to discuss it when we come out. It's going to be a wild one. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, pumped up on a Monday. I was on America's Newsroom this morning. We were talking about Chris Rock's new stand-up special, which is on Netflix right now. It's a banger. We're going to get into it as the day progresses. I will be talking about it tonight on the television with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy in the 6 p.m. hour on the bottom line. And then at 9 o'clock, I'm getting the band back together with Sean Hannity. I will be on Hannity tonight at 9. But right now, I am here with you doing what we do best, which is talking on the radio. And uh, one of the big chit chats right now is 2024. The Republican Party and the field itself is taking shape. Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, announcing yesterday that he won't run and announcing why he won't run, which I only find worthy of discussion because of how absurd it is. This is like me announcing why I won't sleep with Rihanna. Hello, it's not an option. <laughs> like, Thanks, Larry Hogan. But listen to this. He tells you, you know, he's not going to run. He doesn't want it to be a crowded field. You know, there's also the small matter of the fact that he has no chance of winning. Correct the mundo. OK, give him credit for that. And he doesn't speak to the reality that he has no chance of winning. But at least he is honest enough with himself internally to know this would be a fool's errand were he to go out there and throw his hat in the ring. That's true. That is true. But here is Larry Hogan on Not Running for President. It's clip seven.
4: I didn't want to have a uh, pileup of a bunch of people fighting. Right now you have, you know, Trump and DeSantis at the top of the field soaking up all the oxygen, getting all the attention, and then a whole lot of the rest of us in single digits. And uh, the more of them you have, the less chance you have for somebody rising up.
3: So at least he gets it. Okay, there's some self-awareness in the sense that, you know, He at least spoke to the fact that, yes, the tippy-top of this race leaves a very limited opening for the bottom. But, you know, the Trump-DeSantis thing, you know what it reminds me of really quickly as a sports guy? In 2003, when the Yankees played the Red Sox in an epic American League championship series, okay, the winner of that series projected to be such an overwhelming favorite over the Florida Marlins, who had a, you know... Decent team. Josh Beckett was there. You had a young Mikel G- G- Cabrera on the way. You know, team was coming into focus. They were good. Don't get me wrong. But the Yankees and Red Sox were so, you know, comprehensively better. At least that's the, what the assumption was on paper. But the Yankees and the Red Sox beat each other up so bad that by the time they got to the actual World Series, they had nothing left in the tank. This could be a problem. I mean, it could be for Trump and DeSantis, too. And what I mean by that is they may beat each other up so hard, this might become such a sideshow, that you might see a compromise candidate within the GOP, like a Tim Scott or a Nikki Haley. I don't have an answer, okay? The only answer I have right now is that it's going to be a hell of a show. Okay, but Larry Hogan, in announcing that he wouldn't run also announced who he doesn't want the nominee to be. This is clip eight.
4: Well, there's no question it was. it's challenging. Um, there's a big, big fight for the, I, th- I would say, the heart and soul of the Republican Party that I've been talking about for years. It's still going on. We're making progress, though. I mean, it went from about 90 percent of the Republican primary base was behind Trump to about 60 percent after January 6th to it's down to about 30 percent now. There are, there's about two-thirds of the people in the Republican Party, while they might have supported Trump and Trump's policies, they really are ready to consider moving in a different but direction. But he's still
0: leading the polls.
4: He's leading in the polls, and uh, there's no question it's a, he's a formidable challenge. But I think, you know, uh, a year is an eternity in politics, and the first primaries are about a year away. So I think what it looks like today uh, it could be completely different than what it looks like a year from now.
5: Get him out of here. Get him out.
3: Trump done with Hogan, as, you know, are Republican voters. Now he's right to say overnight is a lifetime in politics and how this thing shakes out a year. I have no idea. Because like I said, the race, the race hasn't started yet. Everybody has an opinion. Like, we took a, a, a week's worth of polls after the midterms on who we thought the Republican standard bearer should be and the immediate aftermath of the Republicans dramatically underachieving in the midterms. The overwhelming majority of callers to this show wanted DeSantis— over donald trump you ought to be ashamed of yourself but that was just you know again an assessment of how we felt in the moment and what we thought our best you know best ticket was going forward in 2024 what gave you the best chance of winning back the white house i think people's opinions are going to evolve and i don't think anyone's opinion is going to be solidified until they get in the ring and go head to head you know these games aren't played on paper they are played Out there on the field. So I think there's a lot that remains to be seen until they're, you know, standing on that debate stage one by one, making their case to lead this country. One thing that can't be denied is if you're looking out right now at the quality of life in America, there has been a basic erosion of just about everything. Under the current president, Biden sucks. Okay, it's it's really been a rough presidency, whether you're talking about the economy, you're talking about crime, you're talking about the border, or even just, you know, the basic negligence. Yesterday, I was in O'Hare drinking at an airport bar with a fellow who had just retired uh, and lives in East Palestine, Ohio. And, you know, bought him a drink. We had a little bit of a chit chat. He was flying back from Seattle where he had just visited his grandkids. And uh, he was telling me how the town is ruined, the town doesn't trust the EPA, they don't feel like they've seen real leadership out of this administration, and he moved there because he thought he had a safe, easy place to retire, and now he's got to uproot his whole life. And then I said, but look at it on the bright side, you can go fishing at night now because all the fish are radioactive, they glow in the dark. It's, you you get fish all night, not that people didn't to begin with, but it's just easier now. I mean, you got to look at the upsides here. And, you know, we laughed because it's a coping mechanism. But the fact remains, there has been a fundamental erosion of what makes uh, the country great, and more importantly, what makes individual quality of life great, which is self-reliance, which is work ethic, which is victorhood over victimhood. Victimhood is the cell in the Democratic Party right now, Okay you need the government's help. You can't pay for school. You can't raise a kid. You can't buy a house. You can't do anything. The government has to hold your hand or you're not going to get it done.
4: Government is not the solution to our problem.
3: Government is the problem. And you know who knows that? Somebody who's already in the race. Nikki Haley was on our show last week. Got a lot of laughs out of her. It's actually really it was a great appearance. You know, and you know the aim here is to have everybody who's running in the Republican party on so you guys can get to know them. Uh, but Nikki Haley did. She had a strong first showing on the show. But something she spoke to over the weekend, I wanted to pull this clip and play it for you, is just talking about how our government – and it's really – this one pisses me off more than anything because I'm – dude, I work – Like, you'll see me on TV at 5 in the morning, and you'll see me on TV at 10.30 at the same night, 11 o'clock same night. Okay, you'll see me finish and fly out to the West Coast and do a bunch of comedy shows, fly back overnight and get right back to work in the morning. Like, I work. I come from a worker family, a worker background. I'm married into a worker family. And uh, the one cool thing about work— is the pride of ownership in your accomplishments. Whether you're buying a house, you're buying a car, or whatever you're doing in between, it's really cool to know you did that for yourself. It is. It's amazing. And Nikki Haley spoke to this thing that's going on in our country, and it really jumped out at me, in that we are subsidizing right now able-bodied people to stay home and do nothing. That's stupid! Use your common sense! When you look at how the Medicare rolls have swelled in this country under Biden, They haven't done so because of disabilities. Like we're supposed to have a social safety net that takes care of people who can't take care of themselves. But now we are financing and subsidizing able-bodied people to stay home and drop out of the workforce. And it's such an insult to the people who can't provide for themselves that we're now treating people who can but have chosen not to with the same level of support and reinforcement that was normally in another era reserved for the for the people who couldn't work for themselves. Here's Nikki Haley talking about that. It's clip 13.
1: Joe Biden is a socialist president. The proof is all around us. We're living through an unprecedented expansion of the welfare state. 90 million people on Medicaid. Think about that. 42 million people on food stamps since the moment COVID hit. We've spent trillions paying people to just sit on the couch. This president and his party apparently looked at the failing economies of Europe and said, let's do that. It's un-American. And it doesn't have to be this way. I say that as a former governor who moved 35,000 people from welfare to work. And I say it as a future president who will liberate tons of millions of Americans from government dependence
3: (laughs) but seriously people have been taught to rely on the government and by the way that's expensive and you know who winds up paying the bill you and me
1: thanks big government weenuses
3: there america really does need it needs like a joe clark Remember the movie Lean on Me, Morgan Freeman plays Joe Clark, and it's just like, you're fat, and you're ugly, and you're lazy. You know, somebody to just walk around with a bullhorn and read it its truth. Like, fundamentally, we're not playing good ball. We're not playing good fundamental ball. We're not hitting the cutoff, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not doing the basic things that make a, excuse me, that make a country run properly. That's the issue right now. We're teaching a lot of government dependency. We're waging a war on the nuclear family. Okay, we're waging a war rhetorically anyway on the police. Cops aren't being given the benefit of the doubt. Cops in this country now are guilty until proven innocent, and even then, we still carry on with myths like "hands up, don't shoot" in Ferguson, Missouri. Okay, a grand jury, a black grand jury in Ferguson, Missouri, decided okay that the cops wouldn't be ultimately charged because "hands up, don't shoot" didn't happen. But to this day, the Democrats still say it at every frickin' protest. Democrats are so full of crap. But again, think of how that has eroded faith in policing in this country. You know, when you look around at America, the Democrats are really selling. It's, it's fascinating to watch, but it's, it's almost anti-American. They are, as Nikki Haley said, it's like make America Europe again. Here's a big, fat, bloated government handout. You're young, you're 21, you're able-bodied, you're healthy. How about you stay home an extra six weeks? You know, they got a lot of new stuff out on Netflix. I mean, that's what's going on. And I just got to tell you, as somebody who really, you know, I mean, to work for everything, there's no market. There was no market in the world for me. Like, when I started doing stand-up, I was almost like 30 years old, 27 years old. No one was sitting around being like, hey, we need a fat guy. There's no money. (laughs) guy guys, drives a cab, has a little bit of a gambling problem. We should make him famous. That, that guy should become a guy. No, no, no. I've always been on the outside. There was an old video game in the 80s called Rampage where you could be one of these three. Um, it was basically like a King Kong reenactment. These monsters were climbing up the outside of a building. And they were punching into the windows and snatching people and breaking down the buildings while, you know, society was trying to destroy them. That was the video game Rampage. And when it comes to, like, actual showbiz, I've actually always been on the Rampage side of this thing to like, a few years ago. I was always on the outside of one of these fancy buildings. Never getting invited in. No way. I mean, I drop people off at them in my taxi. But, I, like, I legit really, like, really had to work, you know, to wind up in the position that I'm in. And you understand I make that point because I want you to realize that you still live in a country where if you really, like, really want to do the work, whatever it is you've decided your goal is or your dream is, like, you can actually do it. But they're not selling that in Washington. They're telling you why bother. The deck is stacked. Eat the rich. We're systemically racist. The billionaires don't pay their fair share. You shouldn't have to pay a college loan you took out. We should give the bill to somebody who didn't take the loan out. Like, that's bananas. So the point is, whoever is going to lead this country next, Republican, Democrat, anything in between, okay, the person who's going to get my vote, and I do mean this, is the person who makes the most aggressive, aggressive push to get this country back to playing good ball. Because most of the problems we have right now, you've heard me say this before, are stupid problems. I don't mean the issues are stupid. I mean we have the problem because we've been stupid, okay? Stupid people are in charge. We don't have a crime problem. The cops could stop crime in a second. Even as undermanned as they are, if we threw our full support behind police in every city and every municipality and said the good guys are better than the bad guys, you know, like we used to do in this country, you could get crime under control. But stupid people got elected and told you it was time to defund the police. The police are evil. Remember that? That, that was a democratic thing.
1: Yes, I support the defund
2: movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to
1: defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word
4: defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. <laughs>
2: You sound
3: insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. <laughs> they wanted to defund the police. No more cops. Yo, that's stupid. Not because of their race, not because of their gender, but because it's stupid. Okay, that's the erosion in the quality of life. We had people say, no, nah, we don't need police. Let's get rid of them. That's stupid. Okay, it's not a crime problem. It's a stupid problem. Look at the border. We had cut illegal border crossings by 80% of the Trump. They're like, ah, these policies are racist. No more wall. No more Title 42. No more remain in Mexico. Okay. Well, what do we have now? Record breaking numbers, record breaking death at the border, record breaking fentanyl death in this country. Stupid problems. We had policies in place that solved the border issue. Now we have stupid people that repealed those policies. That's where we've wound up in this country. Okay, when you talk about the personal responsibility of student loans, the upper 2% of income earners would benefit from student loan forgiveness. So you're putting your boot on the neck of the little guy to help the ultimately rich people out in the long run. That's stupid. Okay, just the same as sending unlimited money to Ukraine, it's stupid. I'm not saying I support Putin. I'm saying we should have some definable, okay, establishment of what would constitute victory. We should have some type of an off-ramp designed to get us to the end of this conflict. Okay, we don't have that right now. When you look at inflation and the fact that we just keep pouring record spending into an economy that's only driving inflation higher, that's a stupid problem. So the truth is, as we get closer to 2024 and this race does shape out, the person I'm only going to throw my support behind is the person who's not an idiot, because as it goes in this country – OK, the biggest problem we have is not the issues plaguing us, but the people we've tasked with solving them. And I'm out here
5: in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit.
2: Jimmy Fallon, he's got great charisma. Yeah, he's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call yeah. this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon back in New York this week, but we're heading back out onto the road in April. Let me give you some dates, see if I'm coming to your town. Got a lot of dates coming up this summer with myself, a bunch with Kennedy. There's a lot going on. Uh, I am going to be in Bend, Oregon at the Tower Theater Friday night, April the 7th. If you're listening in Bend, hey girl, come to the comedy show. Saturday night, April the 8th, I will be at the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho. That's going to be a banger. Uh, Friday night, April the 21st. Saturday night, April the 22nd, I am at Bananas Comedy Club back here on the East Coast in Jersey. Jersey! And then, of course, I'm going on the road with Kennedy in May. May the 6th, uh, we are in Reading, Pennsylvania at the Santander Performing Arts Center. That is Saturday, May the 6th. Uh, May the 20th. We're in Clearwater, Florida at the Billheimer Capital Theater. If you're listening in Florida, you better be in Clearwater, May 20th. Uh, Then we're going to the Adler Theater in Davenport, Iowa. Tickets on sale, okay? Davenport, Iowa, that is Saturday, June the 3rd. Okay, Saturday, June the 10th, I will be in Mesa, Arizona at the Mesa Arts Center. And then Saturday, June the 24th at the Lexington Opera House in Lexington, Kentucky. But wait, there's more. We're at the Holland Civic Center. In Holland, Michigan, that is Saturday, July the 8th. Saturday, July the 29th at the St. Mary's Theater in St. Mary's, Ohio. Check it out. Uh, And that'll do it for now. There's more. There's more. But I'm going to be reading for day and it's, you know, this is a radio show. We're supposed to be doing more besides putting on a sandwich board and promoting our comedy gigs. But the point being is we're coming to your damn town and you better be there to hang out with your radio buddy because we're going to have a wild time. It's what we do on the road. It's what we will continue to do. When we come back in the next hour, Jim Jordan coming up on the Big Bad one and only Fox Across America.
2: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy
3: Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. Jimmy. Jimmy, back in action. Back in New York. It's a big Monday on Fox Across America. We have Jim Jordan coming up from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. We're also going to talk crime uh, with my man, Paul Morrow, former uh, retired NYPD inspector who's going to weigh in on the ouster of Lori Lightfoot. That, of course, happened last week, very much addition by subtraction. But there's also this D.C. crime bill on the table. And by all accounts, Joe Biden signaling that he's going to do the right thing. Uh, Much to the I got to be honest with you, they are not to the chagrin. I know that's a big word for a community college guy. With a taxi license and a video game habit in his 40s. But yes, much to the chagrin of the progressive left. They're crazy. They are. Uh, And this D.C. crime bill, which would empower more woke bail reforms, may very well uh, get taken down by the president. And I would give him credit for that. It would be a rare win for Joe Biden because when it comes to woke policing, as you know. Everything woke turns to But I bring up Joe Biden right now because as it pertains to 2024, There might not be a Joe Biden when it comes to a campaign. Tell him like it is. Okay, it's a political piece today, uh, and it's the second one we've seen in as many weeks, that people are worrying behind the scenes about Joe Biden running in 2024. Come on, man. But the point being is it's 31% within the Democratic Party. 31% of Democrats want him to run again. Guys, that's really, really low. Okay, for whatever people listening think of Donald Trump in the worst moment of his presidency, he still enjoyed the support of ninety percent of Republicans. Even during the COVID pandemic, even during the George Floyd riots, there was never a moment where Donald Trump didn't have his party support. Joe Biden is not only polling historically low on a national level, but within his own party. Uh oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, but right now we're being told That he expects to run again in 2024, but the rollout has taken a lot of time, a lot more time than anyone predicted for an incumbent presidency, and obviously there's the issue of age. I mean, for me, I don't really care about the cognitive decline so much as I care about the fact that he's full of (laughs) okay, but I bring up the cognitive decline because Jill Biden, making the rounds over the weekend, she did a hit with CNN. CNN is the worst. A lot of people feel that way, but here's Jill Biden. Okay, talking about Nikki Haley's request for politicians over the age of 75 to take cognitive exams. Jill Biden not having it. Clip nine.
1: Nikki Haley, one of the Republican
3: candidates, is calling for mental competency tests for those politicians over the age of 75. What do you think about
1: that? Ridiculous. Would your husband ever take one of those? I mean, we haven't even discussed. We would never even discuss something like that. (laughs)
3: <laughs> we wouldn't even discuss that. Shut up, fool! I mean, yeah. I mean, after all, what well, what would make anybody think this guy needed a cognitive test? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. I mean, come on. Time was a guy could finish a speech, shake hands with an invisible person, walk the wrong way off the stage. Nobody said anything. What's going on in the world today? I don't get it. Cognitive test. Obviously, she doesn't, you know, she wants Joe Biden taking a cognitive test as much as she wants Hunter taking a drug test. You know what I'm saying? Hunter's a dirtbag. But the fact remains, these questions are being asked by the media because the media, are you ready for it? Really, really wants the Democrats to win in 2024. And they don't know if they can pull it off if Joe Biden's the nominee. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. That's why this is going on. The reason you're starting to see these back-channel anonymous Democratic sources telling Politico, high-level Democrats, (laughs) and they're saying the ones that are rallying to his re-election, it's not because they think it's in the best interest of the country to have an 82-year-old president starting a second term, but because they fear the potential alternative The nomination of Kamala Harris to go up against Trump. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. (laughs) Ha ha! They know, like for real. Kamala Harris, pound for pound, it might be the worst politician you'll ever see. And again, it's not because of her race. It's not because of her gender. It's because she's absolutely, positively, Terrible when you're right you're right and you're right and understand i'm I'm now just speaking as a Republican an American, a dad, whatever you want to classify this as there's no group of people that doesn't agree with me this is so so you can't you know compartmentalize this to oh of course the Fox News guy doesn't like Kamala you know who really didn't like Kamala who really really couldn't stand Kamala the Democrats when she ran for president. Oh! Kamala was polling at one percent when she dropped out of the Democratic primaries. One percent. She was polling behind my milk. I drink two percent. She was polling behind my milk. (laughs) Okay. I mean, really think about that. So how come we're racist and we're misogynist if we don't hold her in high regard, but the Democrats could have her literally polling behind ISIS and no one called them names? I think he's got a part. No, Kamala sucks. So that's the biggest case to be made for a Biden presidency is that there are people within the Democratic Party who think she would be the logical successor if Joe Biden were to not run. Mm. Yo, if Joe Biden doesn't run, and I still don't believe he's going to, I'll believe it when I see it. I'd admit I was wrong, but I won't even technically be wrong because he shouldn't be running again. The guy's a mess. Okay, I watch this guy every day. I just went through an uncle with advanced dementia. The parallels between Biden and my Uncle Sonny are they're overwhelming, okay? I take no joy in saying that. I don't want to know that we're led by this. But the reason so many Democrats would be fine with us continuing to be led by a guy who was in an advanced state of decline is because it allows them— To be the president.
1: I'm telling you, that boy's a genius.
3: Okay, that's what this is. The Biden presidency is popular within the Democratic Party because a lot of people behind the scenes get a lot more power than you traditionally would in a presidency. We have an iTunes user agreement of a presidency. I've told you this before. Scroll. You know, when you're getting a new app on your phone, you don't read that 12-page agreement, the user agreement. You scroll to the bottom, click I agree, so you can download your meme maker. Scroll to the bottom. Click. I agree. So you can download that sports app you wanted. You don't read any of this stuff. That's the Biden administration. Everything's in executive order. Scroll to the bottom and click. I agree. But what do you mean? I haven't read the whole thing. Shut up, old man. Scroll to the bottom. And he scroll. All right. I agree. I agree.
2: We have a president that is clearly not all there.
3: Everybody knows that. OK, but when you look out at these political pieces that continue to pop up, it's because a lot of Democrats, to their credit, realize that even though a Biden presidency affords them more power behind the scenes, it's going to be exponentially harder to pull it off this time around because he's actually going to have to campaign. Don't ever forget, like, Joe Biden didn't run for president in 2020. The media ran for president in 2020. Biden was home. He was home. They cited the pandemic as an excuse for him to not be out on the campaign trail, and he was home. There were more Bigfoot sightings in the summer of 2020 than there were Joe Biden sightings. Okay, he did not come out of his house. He didn't have to withstand the rigors of everyday campaigning, of retail politics, of hundreds of rallies. OK, Biden did carefully curated interviews where he had a press flak next to him at all times, willing to cut his mic the minute he wandered off the reservation. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Oh, would you look at the time, Joe? All right, we got to go. Thanks for coming to this campaign event in air quotes. OK, the people behind the scenes who love running a Biden presidency also realize they won't have a presidency to run if they nominate him because he can't withstand a full campaign. And if the Republicans nominate anyone under the age of 100, the juxtaposition is gonna be too obvious between Biden and whoever he's up against. The only guy that makes this close is Trump just because their ages are comparable. So you kind of lose the argument. But even then, you don't really lose it because we all age differently. And to this point, Trump, who's two years younger than Biden, campaigns with the physical presence and the stamina and the conversational wherewithal of somebody fifty years younger. Okay, Trump comes off as a much younger seventy eight than Biden does an eighty. I agree with that. So that's where the liability happens for the Democrats is they don't know if he can win. Okay, Joe Manchin was asked to endorse Biden over the weekend and again sidestep the question. It's clip ten.
6: Oh, there's plenty of time for the election. This is the problem with America right now. We start an election every time there's a cycle. coming. Yeah, he's up. the leader of
1: your party. I, uh, I,
6: I no. The bottom line is, let's see who's involved. Let's wait until we see who all the players are. Let's just wait until it all comes out. My main purpose right now is to work for my country and my, and my state. That's my responsibility. I'm not going to make my uh, announcement for anything until the end of the year. I'm not going to make a decision what my political position is going to be or where I'm going to do for my political future. I won't do it until the end of the year. I got too much work to do now.
3: What in God's name is he doing? I mean, he's being honest. You know, nobody wants this guy to run again. I mean, it's a, it's a mess, man. I don't take joy in saying that. You know, the president, you know, for me, America is, my, is the Yankees. I grew up rooting for the Yankees. And no matter who the Yankees got in free agency, no matter who they got them via trade, I still continue to root for the Yankees. I've told you this before. I didn't like Roger Clemens growing up because our biggest rival was the Boston Red Sox. But one day I got out of bed, Roger Clemens was pitching for the Yankees. So guess what? Learn to root for Roger Clemens. OK, Joe Biden, I didn't support him or any of his policies, but I didn't want the country to fail the way it has under his leadership. I continued to root for America. You know, the problem is he's not really capable and he's being run by so many suits in Washington that don't know what they're doing that we're just witnessing this massive overall decline in the quality of everything. And I think when you look out at the world, that's the biggest reason why Biden's not going to be your standard bearer in 2024. It's not because, you know, he's old. The elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. OK, it's because he absolutely positively sucks at the job. You're
2: absolutely right. Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Thaler.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Thaler. We've got Jim Jordan coming up. Paul Morrow is going to be here as well to talk crime and punishment, crime and not punishment, to be honest with you. This D.C. crime bill, which has been withdrawn by Council Chairman Phil Mendelsohn, uh, he is withdrawing a controversial criminal code bill that was facing a U.S. Senate vote. Vote may still happen this week. Uh, Morrow will kind of fill in the blanks, but essentially it was going to reduce maximum penalties for certain crimes, including burglaries, robberies, carjackings, and leaving the host of a Fox Nation Documentary out of the promo, but we'll get into that later. Uh, the Death of Hollywood streaming now on Fox Nation today. It is the first time I have fronted any type of product for Fox in that way, so that's exciting. But I was—I'm—I'm uh, I'm not in the promo. If you heard it, that's the piece. I'm not in it though. <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's like a good Rodney Dangerfield, like no respect. I get no respect at all. Uh, But it's actually funny and it's a good documentary. And if you have Fox Nation, check it out. It's me talking about Hollywood and how they have really just walked away from the interest of their supporters. And it's such a good metaphor for what's going on in Washington and that their priorities are not your priorities. Like when you go to Hollywood and watch a movie, you're not doing so. Because you want to get a lecture on inequality or politics or climate change or anything in between. You're going because you want an escape from all of those everyday torments. Correct the mundo! One of the reasons the Oscars is tanking viewers, it's lost 25 million viewers in the last decade, is no one wants to get a lecture on inequality from an actress who's wearing a dress that costs more than your house. You know, you don't want to hear about injustice from a guy who's playing a cop for 35 million a year, as pretend, while real cops go without adequate funding. That's why you can't take Hollywood seriously. That's why Hollywood is dying. That's why it's the subject of a documentary that I am not named in the promos of. But stick with me because it's such a good metaphor for the Biden administration and that their priorities are not your priorities. Like, really think about it. Okay, they passed a climate change bill under a different name. Why? Because nobody held climate change in a high enough regard for them to have the support. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Dude, the climate, the biggest climate change bill ever passed in the history of this country is called the Inflation Reduction Act. Does it reduce inflation? (laughs) Nope. Adds more spending at a time when inflation is already through the roof. That is financial lunacy. <laughs> Stuart Varney. I'm on Stuart Varney tomorrow, 11 a.m. You see me in the 11 a.m. hour. But this understand, okay, the fundamentals of this administration are so broken in that at a time when we're starving for so many things, inflation is crushing us, the border is crushing us, crime is crushing us. The Democrats are like, I know what you need, climate change. And that's why the country is in the position that very much mirrors what's going on in Hollywood. They are ignoring the customer. Okay, the customer. Right now, if you look around America, they don't care about climate change. Climate change is not a top 10 issue anyway. Nobody cares about it. Climate change is like white privilege. If you're rich enough and white enough to afford a private jet, the way you make peace with the guilt you feel from having such a fabulous life, is by convincing yourself that you're saving the world. That's what climate change is. It's people who feel a sense of survivor's guilt lecturing the world about how they're gonna save it while they jet set from city to city and town to town and basically stick their palm out in every city. They say, you're all gonna melt. Please give us money. That's how it works. And then when you don't melt, they say, well, the climate's changing. It's not melting, but it's changing. Please give us money. It's all climate changes, but that's their priority. It's not your priority. They're ignoring the consumer. I've never seen it done so brazenly, but the Democrats are going to learn the same hard lesson that Hollywood did. Just like Hollywood lost 25 million viewers and box offices have been crushed by streaming and Netflix and everything in between, it's ultimately the agenda that is misaligned with the consumer that winds up undermining you know their well their overall well-being, you know, Hollywood sucks because they've alienated the viewers. Okay, people like comic book movies, people like a Tom Cruise movie, they like Top Gun cuz it was pro-America and it was like a cool movie. Okay, but they don't want to tune in to be lectured, you know, about what's wrong with society by some art house film about a transgender squid. That's not what anyone was asking for in Hollywood. They weren't asking for, you know, take all the male parts, make them female. Take all the white parts, make them black, you know. They weren't asking for any of that. Okay, you can make these movies, but the thing is when America tunes them out, it's not because they're anti-inclusion you know, inclusion or anti-tolerance. What Americans oppose, what we're anti, is we're anti-bad movie.
2: He knows what he's talking about.
3: A good example would be this Billy Eichner rom-com bros. Just a total turkey. It was garbage. He launched the campaign for it at the MTV Video Music Awards. And he said, what, you know, we've got to go and show Clarence Thomas and those homophobes on the Supreme Court. That was embarrassing. He tried to make it a protest vote against Clarence Thomas. You got to go to my movie because Clarence Thomas is a homophobe. I have nothing in Clarence Thomas's body of work to indicate such a thing. Uh, But there he was trying to make the sale for his movie a protest message to the Supreme Court. He was trying to tie it into the repeal of Roe versus Wade, which somehow was anti-gay in his worldview. But people didn't show up to his movie because it sucked. And it wasn't because they're anti-gay movies. Brokeback Mountain made a gazillion dollars and won every critic award known to man. People went to it because it turned out to be a good love story if you were into that sort of thing. But when it came to Billy Eichner, when it came to Hollywood, they're in the same position the Biden administration is. They're prioritizing things the rest of us could give a rat's ass about. That is
0: correct.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Had a great moment of self-reflection this morning. I was sitting off set waiting to go on camera on America's Newsroom. And, like, it's one of those moments where, like, you know, your career, your reality kind of, like, sinks in. I was like, wow, it is so amazing that I'm about to go on America's Newsroom with Bill Hemmer and Dane. Like, my God. And then I saw who they had on in the previous hour. It kind of took me down a peg. Joining us now on the show, a man who has no idea what I'm referring to. Former retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow in the house. Hey, man.
6: Unfortunately, I have a pretty good idea what you're referring to, but we'll <laughs> let it slide. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Morrow, I know how you were raised. Yeah, okay. listen, I, we understand.
3: I had to get the first cheap shot in because these have become very chippy radio get-togethers.
6: This has been. You're right. It's good that we don't do them in the same room. So I can say
3: <laughs> it's for it's for the same got my mirror. pepper spray. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I was out speaking of pepper spray. I was out in uh, Seattle this weekend as part of my ten city tour. And yeah. it wasn't in it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be in that they've moved a lot of like the blight to like a concentrated area. But, uh, you know, so in that in that regard, I was pre- pleasantly surprised. That,
6: that... that concentrated area being what, Portland?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I have to fly into Portland next month, and someone asked me, they're like, how do you get a gig in Portland? What do you need to get a gig in Portland? I go, a bad agent. Yeah, a I don't know who I pissed off for that one, but I'll be out there on the West Coast. But no, while I was in my hotel Friday, I was actually watching The Five discuss the D.C. crime bill. So all of my background on this bill comes from watching their analysis. But it's my understanding, I guess, the chairman withdrew it today. Um, And I only bring it up because essentially what they're doing in this bill, without getting into the minutia, is they were just reducing a lot of maximum penalties. Now, can you speak to how that actually impacts criminality and recidivism and stuff like that?
6: And they're just trying to go along with what is this national trend of decarceration, which mm-hmm. is a word none of us heard until a couple of years ago, and now hear regularly to our chagrin. But the yeah, this stuff always comes out of the think tanks, and the idea is that there is some sort of school to prison pipeline that locks people into essentially a life of recidivism and of course what that does and i hate to use the word but it takes away the agency that a a person has over their own lives Mm -hmm. and ignores the fact that so many people don't fall into that and so many people break free of it so this decarceration movement has just taken away any disincentive for recidivism because that's generally what it's targeted at the Mm -hmm. idea that well you can have four or five strikes it's okay you're not a bad guy and uh, it, that It's part of that whole thing. And uh, as the Democrats have tweaked to the fact that the country is really tired of watching our cities circle the drain, they blinked and they decided that they're not even going to bring it to the floor for a vote. But breaking news, as I understand it, and I'm getting this a little bit back channel, but what I'm understanding is that they're going to have to vote on it anyway yeah. due to some procedural quirk. And that's going to be embarrassed. That's the embarrassment exactly that they didn't want because uh, the president has vowed that you know, he won't let this go through. He'll veto it.
3: Well, to, you know, to his credit, by the way, um, we're talking to Paul Morrill. Yeah, right? I agree. Yeah. I agree. We're trying PD inspector. Well, the, big, the bigger thing, man, like at a 20,000-foot view of this, all of these bail reforms, you know, all of these bills like the one they're discussing here today, they're essentially creating a system, a society that really has more empathy for the perp than for the actual law-abiding citizen, because in the end, they're the ones that get the bill for this, no?
6: Yes, of course. And, you know, I I don't know at what point we all decided that, like, um, you know, the idea that you are a recidivist criminal somehow or other should engender in all of us maximum mercy and compassion and empathy. Uh, You know, there's a point where you do need a little tough love and you have to start to adult a little bit. (laughs) And... A very good you know. – I'm going to bring up something that's on the horizon here in New York. We've Mm -hmm. kind of taken it for granted. Okay, New York has started waking up, and the mayor is out front on this. We have to remember something. I'll make two points. Number one, nothing has changed in New York relative to the bail laws, the discovery laws, the raise the age laws, all of which reside in Albany, Mm -hmm. and which, frankly, the mayor, I don't think, has been anywhere near loud enough. So nothing Mm -hmm. has really changed. We're up 22 percent, over 22 percent last year in crime. This year we 're right about the same spot as we were last year, so nothing's really changed but here 's the other thing Jimmy and mm-hmm. this is a real pet peeve of mine. We are closing Rikers Island, New York City, and this you know this this is a city thing now this mm-hmm. is not the state can 't blame can't blame Albany', uh, can't blame Albany. Mm-hmm. It's closing Rikers Island, and they are going to devolve the prisoners to what they call the borough based jail system mm-hmm. that is it'll be in four of the five boroughs there'll be jails mm-hmm. here's the issue. It is slated for 40% less beds than we have now. Oh my goodness. So aside from the fact that everybody feels like we have to go back to how things were when the city was kind of a leading light in terms of quality of life and commerce, etc., we are now not going back to that. We are going to diminish from where we are here in terms of locking people up by almost half. So you think we don't lock people up now? Cut half. Wow. That's, and no. imagine what that is going to look like. And the mayor is letting this go through. It's madness. And I just don't understand what they think the end game is here.
3: Well, hence your earlier comment about having your pepper spray, my God, because now we really are like we're living in the purge, man. And we really
6: are. It's going to be so bad.
3: Yeah. And I I, you know, people don't get it, man. That's that's the part that's so crazy It's like to me when you were a little kid. Right. We always played a game called cops and robbers, you know, and it was always understood that the cops were the good side. And sometimes you'd want to be a robber so you can get chased. Uh, you know, but the, and, and we didn't play like we weren't that enlightened. Like if ha- if I had it to do over, I, I would have understood that if you were the cops, you got to go to a bar for three hours a day. We didn't know that as kids. But the point is, there was yeah, on overtime. <laughs> But the point is, uh, it's so weird to see this reframing of the issue and the people, again, that it's, it's the people on the street that follow the laws that are affected by it. But even like the politicians themselves, there just seems to be such an imbalance when it comes to them understanding this basic truth. And, like, what my wonder is, you know, essentially in politics, necessity is the mother of invention, meaning they don't start speaking to these issues until it becomes a liability for them. So yeah. are we at least nearing the point? Like, was the ouster of Lori Lightfoot or maybe Chessa Boudin out in San Francisco, was this the moment, uh, or did we at least inch closer to that moment where politicians wake up and kind of acknowledge we can't keep going in this direction?
6: You know, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit, and I'm going to say yes. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to hedge. I hedged a little bit this morning on America's Newsroom, like as you said, but I actually in ruminating on it a little bit. Uh, now that I I see the hullabaloo over the crime bill mm-hmm. and how they're trying to back out of it, I actually think you're right. I think that it has finally hit a little bit of a tipping point. I think we're beginning to penetrate the sort of common consciousness, for lack of a better term. I think it, it down to the man in the street. People are starting to say, realize that, you know what, all that rhetoric sounded great, et cetera, but it's a failure and it's, you know, let's not ride this failure out any longer because let's just declare it a failure now and start to, you know, backpedal because if we just keep going, it's just going to get worse. And, you know, I don't have to see it. I was talking to somebody who hasn't been in the city for a while. I'm just using New York as an example. She moved down south to a rural area. She comes back. She hasn't been here about 10 years. And she was – she's a a lefty. She's a liberal. Mm -hmm. Died in the world Democrat. She was appalled by the condition of the city. She said, couldn't believe the state it it is in. And the term she used was apocalyptic. And that is after – Adams has begun cleaning things up a little bit. So, I don't understand what they're voting for. I don't see what the end game is here. And I think you're actually right. I think we're hitting a tipping point. So let's see if the moral courage and political courage is there to start to undo this.
3: Yep, that's that that that's what you got to hope for. Because again, I was I was in California. I was in Seattle this weekend. It's bad. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but again, but we're living in hell here in New York. DC is out of control. The carjackings and everything. Oh in, in, God!
6: Philadelphia, Baltimore, yeah. Memphis, St. Yeah. Louis, Minneapolis. These cities are the gateways to the country. This is where when immigrants come from overseas, mm-hmm. when they watch them, you know, Hollywood's how America talks to the world, yeah. right? When people see this stuff overseas, they say, "Oh, look, Times Square. Oh, New York, the Empire State Building. All of that." Mm-hmm. They come expecting. Lammertown. Yep. And when they get here and it looks like uh, you know the black hole of Calcutta <laughs> I think they're pretty disillusioned and that first gets back to the old country. Was, we need people coming. We need the commerce. We need people here.
3: Yeah, well, it's funny, Paul. I was saying that to somebody that, like, uh, you know, how is New York these days? I'm like, well, I'll tell you. I said in Times Square we used to have these famous walking tours of the architecture. I'm like, they're now called running tours.
6: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And it's the cops who are running, too. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> I, I, people think I'm overstating it. And then they come and, uh, no. you know, look. I think it'll get better, but it just – you know what? The way the place looks matters as well, and it just looks like
3: hell – Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, no. Seattle was definitely a fixer upper in that regard. But uh, man, what a mess! Well, listen, I appreciate you sharing some insight here as as you did well on the TV this morning. I was impressed. Actually, I enjoyed your hit. I know I was giving you a hard time, but I'm supposed to. That's how this works. So
6: I was speaking slowly so you could, you know, I knew you were
3: out. Oh, that's enough, Morrow. Get him out. That's enough. Good stuff, man. We'll do it again soon, brother. Be well. And (laughs) four. Get
6: him out of here.
5: Get him
3: out. Paul Morrow. Uh, the Ops Desk is his newsletter. You should subscribe to it. It's a home run. Uh, It comes highly recommended from the great Dana Perino. Another one of our law enforcement experts who listens to the show and weighs in frequently, another former, uh, a retired member of the NYPD who is now down in Raleigh, North Carolina, where it's safe. Harold is on the phone. Yo, Harold. Thank you for taking my call.
5: First of all, I'd have to disagree with the inspector Mm -hmm. because the two people that um, made the runoff in Chicago are worse than Laurie Lightfoot? Oh,
3: that's what I meant to ask him. Now he didn't—he didn't really acknowledge that because I didn't ask him that. But is that true? That was my question, Harold. Well, well,
5: well the, mm-hmm. the black guy—the black guy thought looting, basically sank, sanctioned looting. Mm-hmm. And the then the other guy—I uh, can't think of his name—but he was in charge of the public schools in Chicago. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Public schools in Chicago are terrible. Yeah. So you put these two geniuses in these two geniuses are going to run off. For the, for the spot. It's going Damn. it's it's going to be worse. It's as gone. far as Eric Adams is concerned, <laughs> well, I don't know what he's doing in New York, but I know one thing. I was there a couple of weeks ago and, and I left my firearm in North Carolina, but I should have had it with me because <laughs> I was on pins and needles the whole time I was up here looking <laughs> around, <laughs> swirling, look, you know, and it, it, it's a shame. And I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I remember the 80s and the 90s and it was bad, but You know, you think at this stage of the game it wouldn't be that bad. But back to your point about the purge, Mm -hmm. it's here. Yeah, The purge is here. And and people better – down here, open carry. Mm -hmm. So everybody can do what they – you know, get Mm -hmm. your firearm, protect yourself, do what you got to do. But the bottom line is that deal in D.C., until these politicians live it, they're not going to – they don't care. No. Most of them don't live in these districts where they make these decisions to let these knuckleheads run around with firearms. Yep. I had a guy in Central Booking one day giving me a hard time. He was riling up about three hundred guys, he was making noise. I opened up the cell, I walked in, I said, What's your problem? Blah blah blah. How many times? Oh, I, I got locked up. Well how many times have you not gotten arrested? <laughs> and he went and sat down the guy and he was quiet the rest of the day he was there. How many times have you gotten away? You you got caught once out of ten. You yep. you bet you, that's not a bad deal.
3: Mm-hmm. Now it's a great po- it's a great point. And now the problem is if you do get locked up you don't you get you get let out. That's the issue. And, well, well yeah. they're
5: going to keep. They're going to keep doing that, Mister. F- they're going to mm-hmm. keep doing. Like I said, until they suffer the consequences, they don't live in these neighborhoods. My son was a police officer in, in D.C. He quit a year ago. Wow. He was a, and he was exactly what the black community was complaining about for years. Mm-hmm. We want black officers. Uh, they know they understand us, the culture. He was a clean-cut young man, no tattoos, no problems. Spoke to everybody. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Sir. He walked away after five and a half years.
3: Wow! Because he just did. Did he just felt like the public didn't have his back and it wasn't worth it?
5: Well, what, between that and one day he called me up, Mister Feller, and he said, "Dad, when you was a cop, did you ever think about suicide?" Oh man! And I thought that was a bad. I thought that yep. was a strange question. And then he 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 kept going further, and he said, um, "One of my friends just killed himself." Oh, that's heavy. Young a young black cop twenty four years old took his life in D C. Mm-hmm. Uh, about yeah, last
3: last August. And and they've had a, they've had a ton of that here in New York as well because morale is in the toilet man and, you know, the risks you take and, you know, the things you experience, it really is such a thankless profession. And, and you know, they've made it that way. It wasn't supposed to be that way. Policing, as you know, is a noble profession. It's something, you know, well, well, we wanted well, to Mr. be.
5: Feller, do, you, do, you, do you know why they go after the – you know why the police are the sacrificial lambs? Because people aren't smart enough to go after the knuckleheads who are making policy, yep. spending billions of dollars in um, spending billions of dollars in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You can't even run a train through a, a neighborhood without it blowing up. <laughs> we are not. That's where the emphasis should be because police officers don't make policy. Yep. All they do is get forty grand a year and go home. Yep. They don't write zoning laws. They don't write, write legislation. And the only ones we are the sacrificial lambs. I remember when I was working on patrol in New York, and somebody gave me a hard time. and Said, "If you got a problem." Go see
3: the mayor. Yep. Great Don't
5: point. give me a hard time because I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do.
3: Well, listen, if they want to go see the mayor now, they've got to be able to get into the VIP section of the marquee nightclub around the block and order bottle service.
5: Well, you, you got to have swag, man. He's a man with swag, man. <laughs> oh and what, what do you call himself? The Joe Biden of Brooklyn. The guy who wrote the 93 crime bill that incarcerated hundreds of thousands of black men. He's the Joe Biden of Brooklyn. Can, <laughs> you, can, you, make, can you make
3: this up? It's unbelievable. Well, he's, he has wrecked uh, the, the area he presides over. So in that regard, I guess he is the Joe Biden of something. Uh, Harold, uh, you're very much not the Joe Biden of anything. Great work as always, my man. Hey, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Have a good day, you sir. You too, brother. Harold's the best, man. He really is. And, you know, that story about his son is so heavy because I know so many cops, man. Oh, my God. Everybody who knows a cop in New York knows somebody who committed suicide. Everybody. If you've got family on the force, they have a friend or a coworker who's committed suicide. And that's something that's going on around the country. And you understand, it's police work. It's one of the most noble professions in our society. It's the most necessary profession in our society. And when you see these crime bills, like the one they're talking about in D.C. that reduce sentencing, do you understand that makes life harder on the cops, which makes life harder on you? We're all less safe as a result. Where is the bill that's asking society to have empathy for the person that doesn't break the law? Like, where's that bill? Where's the bill for the mother who was pushing a stroller on Fifth Avenue and got killed this spring? Where is the bill, you know? For the fire department, the female lieutenant who was a week from retirement and sadly got stabbed a few hundred times outside of her fire department downtown in Manhattan. Where is the bill making life better for people like this, protecting people like this? The answer is they don't have one. When I said earlier that this administration is fighting all the wrong battles, okay, they're prioritizing everything but you, but the law-abiding citizen. When you realize that 90% of violent crime is committed against members of the same community— So when you let violent criminals out of jail in the name of equity, well, there's too many of this race in jail, so we've got to let them out. Okay, what you do is you wind up harming the members of that race because there's a 90% chance they commit the crime again and a 90% chance it happens to people of their said race. So when you go doing things in the name of equity, congratulations. Okay, you're throwing a bone To the guy who violently breaks the law, okay, and you're getting it at the expense of the person who follows the law, that doesn't make sense. And the Democrats want you to believe that this is progress.
2: Not even close. It's the show that never hits the books.
3: I love the poorly educated.
2: You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: It is Fox Across America. Your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, getting ready for a banger in the next hour. Jim Jordan coming up from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. He's going to talk about Dr. Fauci and new revelations that Fauci ordered a scientist to write a paper saying COVID didn't originate in the Wuhan lab. So Fauci could then turn around and cite that paper as evidence that he was right. He should be behind bars! The lengths they went to to manipulate the perceptions of the COVID origins, one, because they were trying to help out China, two, because they wanted to cover up their own role in paying for this very research. At the end of the day, COVID was made in a Chinese lab, and we put up the money to ship it here, okay? And there's no way you should be okay with that. We'll discuss it with Jim Jordan next.
2: Live from everywhere USA,
3: it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, girl. There it is. Back in action. Big hour of Fox Across America coming up with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy, there he is, back in action. Uh, Jim Jordan joining us in this hour from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. We're going to have a grown-up talk about AOC. AOC is a dope. But we're also going to get into Dr. Anthony Fauci, of all people. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. A lot of people feel that way. If you're one of them, you're welcome to weigh in. 888-788-9910. All are welcome. Agree, disagree, doesn't matter. I'm not an activist. That takes a lot more energy than I have. I'm just a talk show host here to have a conversation with people from all political persuasions.
1: I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are, I don't care how smart you
3: are, I don't care how dumb you are. True story. Uh but if we're talking about dumb, you have to begin. You have to begin with AOC. Bingo, man, bingo. So AOC, okay, whose side hustle is being a member of Congress, her main hustle is getting famous by convincing poor people that she actually cares about them, okay, when the truth is, I mean... That is a fact-check false. Okay, so here's a story going on right now. There's a congressional ethics probe into AOC's attendance at last year's Met Gala here in New York. Now, really quickly, if you remember AOC, her whole thing is, you know, she's a former bartender... She cares about the working class. She's here looking for them at every turn. That's what she's doing. Come on, don't bullshit me. Okay, AOC, if you remember, her most significant accomplishment as a congresswoman is killing an Amazon project that would have brought tens of thousands of high-paying jobs to her district. But she went on to tax the rich, the corporations pay their fair share, we're not going to have Amazon get away. Oh, shut up, woman. So Amazon left and took with it tens of thousands of jobs that paid upwards of $100,000 a year, which, by the way, not only would have benefited those people, but it would have benefited local restaurant owners, local real estate, local businesses in every capacity, most of which are... Small businesses. So AOC, who purports to care about the working class people in this country, screwed them over in killing the Amazon deal. But this congressional ethics probe is not about that. It's about her going to the Met Gala in a dress that famously said, tax the rich because nothing says I hate the rich like showing up to a $35,000 a plate get-together. Last I checked, not a lot of poor people can afford $35,000 to get into a dinner. Okay, not a lot. I got to bet, not a lot of pores at the $35,000 a plate get-together. But AOC was gifted two tickets from Vogue magazine, which is, of course, an ethics violation because as a member of Congress, you can't accept that free swag. She also went out, by the way, and got a free dress out of the deal initially by doing what? having her office put pressure on the designer to give her free stuff and to lower the cost of anything she was going to pay for. Does that sound like somebody who's just looking out for the little guy? The answer would be no. AOC is a grifter. Okay, she is part of this trend right now where the most prosperous among us are becoming more prosperous by claiming they're oppressed. One of the reasons Chris Rock got as good of a reaction as he did in his Netflix special for making fun of Meghan Markle is because he spoke to what we've all been saying. Okay, I say it in my act. I don't doubt there are plenty of pundits. Piers Morgan's a great example of that, calling out the ridiculousness of Meghan Markle at every turn. She is a spectacularly prosperous person. She married into actual royalty. They were bequeathed tens of millions of dollars, and they're now getting rich from Netflix, from a podcast and a reality show. By traveling around the world saying they just want their privacy and it's hard to be them. And Prince Harry was dumb enough to fall for this. Prince Harry really thought he's a victim and he's a spare and his wife and, you know, it's just not easy to be them. And, you know,
6: shut up, will you shut up?
3: At a time when 70 percent of this country is living paycheck to paycheck. okay? you've got the AOCs, you've got the Meghan Markle's of the world out there telling you it's hard to be me. You don't understand But AOC is being investigated. We're going to talk about it with Jim Jordan. And the truth is she wound up ultimately a year later paying back some of the services that were given to her, but only after these accounts went to collection. Again, this is the person who wants you to believe she cares about the little guy. Hey, I'm just here to look out for the little guy. That's what I do. You know, by making the little guy work free by not paying back the little guy. But look, I wore a dress that said tax the rich. Hey, AOC, you're rich. If you want the rich to pay more in taxes, couldn't you just write out a check right now and send it in? That was always something that made me laugh when I was driving a cab, which wasn't good. Laughter not good in a cab because, you know, I didn't have the best driving record as it is. But I remember listening to Rush Limbaugh say that. He's like <laughs> the great the late great Al Rushbo I remember him saying, you know, you know, all of these celebrities, all of these left wingers saying we need to tax the rich. We need to increase the rich. He's like, they could all write a check right now. Give it to Washington, D.C. But none of them are writing the check. You know, nobody stops you from giving the IRS more than you owe all you tax the rich people. But do any of them write a check for more than they owe? The answer would be no, no differently than the people who say, well, you know. Climate change. Do any of them change their own lifestyle because of climate change? Is anybody going out there altering their lifestyle? The answer would be no. No. They're all flying back and forth to Ukraine right now. Think about that. Last week, Janet Yellen went there. Treasury Secretary. You know who else went there? Merrick Garland. You know who else went there? Joe Biden. For people who tell you that we need to reduce our carbon footprint because we're in a climate emergency... They sure like flying across the world to Ukraine in a giant jet just to take a photo op. Democrats are so full of crap. All of them are frauds. That's the grift. Their side hustle is politics. Their main hustle is pretending that they care about you. That's what she does. Hey, I'm looking out for the working guy. So I'm going to kill Amazon jobs. Hey, I'm looking out for the working guy. So I'm going to make a designer give me a free dress for the exposure. Then I'm going to ask for free swag for my my boyfriend who's coming to the $35,000 a plate dinner. Now, I don't think AOC is like going to jail or getting thrown out of office because of this ethics violation. But I do think, you know, there's a point in this country where you've really got to ask for more out of your own team. Like I'm the first guy to tell you like George Santos shouldn't be in Congress. It's embarrassing. Guy made up every lie known to man. Nobody cared because here's the cold, hard truth about congressional races. Anybody can win them. There are certain congressmen of substance that are out there doing things and making a contribution. But most congressional races, because there's 435 seats, reside in districts where the Republican or the Democrat is winning 100 elections in a row, regardless of who they are or what they do. The people just vote that way. Like they sold us AOC as some type of a historic victory. When, in fact, the district she won had voted Democrat a 100 years in a row. So I don't know, maybe it's an upset that she spent some extra money in the primaries and beat an incumbent who had been there a while. But in actually getting the seat in Congress, she essentially ran unopposed because that seat has gone Democrat for a 100 years. But that's also where one-party rule really does happen to the detriment of the whole entire country. If politicians know they can count on your vote regardless of job performance, here's a news flash. They're not going to improve their performance.
1: Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you,
3: you're always right. When you look around at the country, and this is the bigger issue with the AOCs of the world, okay? Her name, for, for real, I've said this before. She is A-O-Me. ao Me, look at me. I'm cooking on Instagram. I'm streaming a video on Twitter. I'm claiming I'm oppressed. I'm telling you I want to tax the rich, okay, as I'm getting over on the poor. But the bigger problem, like when you look out at at our society, when you look out at our leadership, when you look at it on the whole, you know, right now in this country, okay, is on the largest scale imaginable. Everybody is a fraud in that they're pretending they care about you. But does somebody care about you if they want to defund the cops and let the violent criminals out of jail in the name of equity? The answer would be no. No. Most of the people selling you equity doesn't even know, don't even know what it means. Here's Bernie Sanders. He's on with Bill Maher over the weekend. This is amazing. Bernie Sanders is asked, what's the difference between equity and equality? His answer, i got to be honest with you would not get him a good grade on this test. It's clip 16.
2: I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years, and before that, we didn't hear it a lot. And I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality. It's the same word. And it's not the same word and the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about... uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. (laughs) Come to think of it, you know... Uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I, yeah,
3: think-, I think so. I think that's Okay.
2: Quality. So which, do you come, which side do you come down on? Uh, we- equality. Equality. Uh, yeah.
3: Okay. Folks, right. so, Bernie Sanders can't define the difference between equity and equality. Do you know we're spending over $7 million in Washington this year in the name of equity programs?
5: We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to.
3: And that's why, okay, they're pushing policies that they themselves don't even understand. Because they're trying to get your vote by pretending they care. Okay, equity and equality. Okay, here it is. Equal opportunity. We should all have it. Equity is trying to provide us with equal outcome. We should have by percentage the same amount of successful people in every race, in every position. No, no, no. By merit, we should let the chips fall where they may. The only thing we should be ensuring as a country, which we very well are doing, is that everybody has the same chance of making it. Anybody telling you you don't in this country, there's absolutely a clown. Okay, we just had a black president for eight years. Guy wasn't even particularly good at the job. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the point is he won with overwhelming support two terms from white America, which means we weren't racist. Okay, we're well past race in this country. The only people who aren't are the ones who keep bringing it up over and over and over again because you want, they want your vote. Okay, that's where this equity agenda comes from. It allows people like Bernie Sanders to pretend they care about you. He can't even define the term. What's the difference between equality and equity? His verbatim quote, I don't know what the answer to that is. So in what world are we supposed to be spending $7 billion on equity if we can't even define what it is? Okay, we know what it is. It's a scam. It's a way for the AOCs and the Bernie Sanders of the world, okay, the people getting rich by pretending they care. Bernie says, oh, capitalism's evil. Now, if you'll just pay me $95, you can come to my lecture, and I'll explain to you why capitalism is evil. What a fraud. I mean, really think about that. No, capitalism's so bad. So give me some money. And I'll tell you just how bad it is. Okay, you got, are you ready? Well, no, you can't come in yet. You got to pay up. Money, 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 money. But trust me, it's bad. And that's just the same as AOC. No, we got to tax the rich. Got to look out for the little guys. So I'm going to kill those Amazon jobs and make the little guys donate their services so I can go to a $35,000 a plate dinner. It's all a fraud. Okay, equity, equality, AOC saying, attack the rich. Bernie saying, we've got to look out for the minority communities. Okay, it's all a front for them to pretend they care. But here's a newsflash. When it comes to race, when it comes to equality, oh, they could give a frog's fat ass. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. You're
2: listening to the hottest show in the country.
6: Our country is in serious
2: trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon and Jim Jordan is coming up in the next break in the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. He was on Sunday morning futures yesterday and he was talking about Dr Fauci and how he influenced other doctors on the COVID origin story clip 25
0: First on the on the COVID issue understand that on January 31st, 10.32 p.m. 2020. So right at the get-go, Dr. Fauci gets an email from Dr. Christian Anderson, which says, virus looks engineered, virus not consistent with evolutionary theory. The next day, he gets another email from Dr. Gary. Now, these are doctors he's handed out our tax dollars to over the years. Dr. Gary's email says, I don't know how this happens in nature. It would be easy to do in a lab. That same day, February 1st, 2020. So again, right at the start, that same day, Dr. Fauci organizes a conference call, Him and Dr. Collins get on there with Dr. Gary, Dr. Anderson, all these other virologists. They get on there and three days later, everybody changes their story. Think about
3: that because that's the Dr. Fauci. I played you the clips last week of him straight up saying, well, I haven't seen any indication or data whatsoever that would support that this was manufactured in a lab. His own doctors were telling him that it was manufactured in a lab.
5: This guy's a serious ass.
3: But why did they reverse course on that narrative? Because they were funding the type of research. Here's a little more, Jordan, clip 26. The same guy who said this would be
0: easy to do in a lab says, oh, now you're crazy if you think it came from a lab. The same guy that says, I don't know how this, that, that this, would, uh, this does, that looks engineered, he changes his story. And then the kicker is, three months later, those same two doctors, Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary, get a seven million, uh, several million dollar grant from Dr. Fauci to continue their research. So the, the fundamental question is, why was Dr. Fauci so consumed with making sure the narrative wasn't about the lab? I think it's because they were doing gain-of-function research there. He didn't want that out. And, and that was the narrative that everyone on the left bought into, even though the facts and common sense, maybe most importantly, pointed to the lab leak
3: theory. Now, here's something worth getting into. You understand? He controls the funding. So those doctors that emailed him and said, hey, this is made in a lab. There's no way this could occur in nature. The reason they were able to pivot and change their opinion in less than a week is because they got more funding from Fauci, as Jordan just said. And Fauci has consistently, as recently as last week, said, no, we've never seen anything that would lead me to believe this could have occurred in a lab. Dude, his own emails tell you the opposite. But here is Brad Winstrup when it comes to the idea of no data – Here's a Republican from Ohio flat out telling you that on the Intel Committee, they have seen data. Clip 27. I've seen quite a bit of intelligence, as you might imagine,
4: sitting on the Intelligence Committee. We haven't seen all that we want to see necessarily, and some of it is very classified that I have seen. And so we have to continue
0: driving forward and getting questions answered because the more we find, the more questions that we may have. So you do have a variety of, of opinions, and really what we are trying to do is to follow the breadcrumbs, if you will. Look at the forensics of
4: what took place. Obviously, this is one of the more serious things that ever has ever happened to mankind. And so it is important to find the origins of COVID.
0: Do you expect the FBI and the Energy Department to testify to your committee?
4: Uh, that, there may come a time for that. Uh,
3: I would hope that they do it willingly. I mean, think about that, though. We've got an government cover-up designed to conceal the origins of a virus that killed nearly a million Americans and the guy presiding over this and doling out the funding Dr. Fauci was actively misleading the public we're going to discuss it with Jim Jordan but I don't know how you hear this and not walk away from it thinking when it comes to Fauci he
1: should be behind bars
3: It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, fired up to talk to this next guest. He was actually in New York last Friday. I was out in Seattle living the good life. He was here making the media rounds. He's, of course, superstar congressman, representative from the 4th District of Ohio. Jim Jordan back on the show. Hey, man.
0: Jimmy, how are you doing? So we, you stand up and, and stand up in Seattle is more important, more important than like hanging out in New York, giving us a chance to visit there. And it great jimmy studio and, <laughs> and i'm sure you knocked them dead out in seattle i'm sure you were great
3: well seattle's different now you know that famous space needle they have out there yeah yeah it's filled with heroin now but uh <laughs> other than that but
0: did, did it, I, we've had some we had some uh some some staff that uh was or excuse me some friends who, who've been in like some of these these cities where like the homeless problem is so is it that and they they talked about how bad it was but like, you is listen it, is it in in in,
3: in Seattle, it's bad, but they pushed it to like a concentrated area. Like in right. terms of, it's bad, but if you've ever been to San yeah. Francisco, like San Francisco is, you know, yeah, that's what i heard. <laughs> no, San Francisco just quit, man. It's 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 a ba- it's a bad situation. So Seattle is, it has a lot of good pockets, but again, you were just in New York, so what am I talking yeah. to? I mean, New York <laughs> is holy hell. It's like the video game yeah. Grand Theft Auto. There's no laws. <laughs>
0: It was good to see all the people. I mean, we we stayed, you know, close there to uh, Times Square, and mm-hmm. it was it was good to see all the people. You know, that, that, but during COVID, it was like, so it's it nice to see that New York. You know, people moving everywhere and all the hustle and bustle of that great city. But did, did yeah, this crime thing is serious.
3: No, that's what I was going to get into. But my next question is: I know you were in New York. I know you were at CPAC, and all of my listeners have one CPAC question: uh, yeah. Did Russell wear pants this year?
0: <laughs> yeah russell was appropriately attired at the cpac uh we
3: didn't we didn't get uh, the leg again, show but no
0: no 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 shorts and no shorts in march but that was the last the cpac we were at that was in florida so yes. yeah that was like and i think he must have came right out from a workout or something like yeah
3: that. yeah no one russell yeah, you, no no yeah. listen well whatever the workout was i know it wasn't leg day i know that. <laughs> Holy hell! I thought I thought I, I, thought I met Manute yeah. Bowl, the old basketball player. Like who let Manute Bowl into the party? Um, let's have this chat. Though you're talking about crime, you know what? I don't know that it rises to the level of a crime, but this Fauci story. So he essentially was being told, "Hey, man, this looks like it came from a lab." He yeah. is, he told them to shut up, and everybody who reversed position publicly yeah. seems you to got have gotten that. a little extra funding.
0: Yeah. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Now, of course, it wasn't just anyone telling me it came from a lab. It was the very virologist he hands out our tax dollars to, and it had Mm. been doing so for a long time. So Dr. Anderson says virus looks engineered virus, not consistent with evolutionary theory, which you know in shorthand is it came from a lab. Dr. Gary says the very next day, now remember, this is January 31st, 2020, and February 1st, 2020, right when this thing is happening. And uh, Dr. Gary says, I don't know how this happens in, 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 in nature, but it would be easy to do in a lab And that same day that that comes in, Dr. Fauci organizes a conference call, gets all these guys on the call, tells them – gives them their marching orders, tells them what to do. Three days later, the very two guys who said it couldn't happen in nature, has to be a lab. I don't know how this happened. Those two guys changed their story and 180 degrees and said, you're crazy, Jimmy, if you think this came from a lab. This came from a bat to a pangolin to a hippo to a Joe Rogan (laughs) to the – you know like – so – And then, of course, three months later, they get several million dollars in more grant money that they've, you know, on top of the grant money they've already been given over the last several years.
3: Such a deal! What a racket! We're talking to Jim Jordan, the fourth congressional district of Ohio. But yes, it very much looks and reads like an exercise in covering this up. Because to this day, understand, Fauci is on TV as recently as a week ago saying, "Well, I've never saw any data that indicated this was made in a laboratory." He was saying that a week ago, knowing that two years ago he was being told privately, "Hey, man, uh, it looks like there's something going on here." So, what do you what do you actually think it is? Is it were they trying to like avoid scrutiny for the fact that we may have very well funded the research that? Cause this was that that's the motivation yeah
0: of course well they were sending our tax dollars to a lab in china that wasn't up to code for doing the gain of function research that was happening so yeah they wanted to protect that and of course fauci keeps saying no 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 they've changed the definition on the cdc website when, when the biden administration they changed what they defined as gain of function so they that's what they're trying to hide. And while everyone else, when this thing breaks out, is figuring out how we're going to deal with this pandemic, this virus, which is, you know, obviously impacted the world in a huge way, it did. People lost their lives, business, all kinds of crazy things. So while everyone's focused on that, Fauci's focused on covering his backside because our money to a lab. In China, that wasn't up to code, that was doing gain-of-function research. And it, it, here's what else they did. Mm-hmm. When when that was going on, after we get those emails and the conference call, and three days later, they change their story. They print. They, they get this article published, and Fauci helps edit the article and then cites it from the White House as reasons why this didn't come from a lab. So the, 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 <laughs> the, the plan to tell us something that wasn't true just was pretty
3: elaborate. That is fascinating stuff, man. What a scam. But that's why in a nutshell, like if you took two steps back, the average American, it's not a political statement. More Americans trust Dr. Dre than Dr. Fauci at this point.
0: (laughs) Well, and they should, (laughs) because this wasn't like the only thing they misled us on. Right. This is not the only thing they lied to us about. I mean, Dr. Fauci said that if you got the vaccine, you wouldn't get the virus. Joe Biden said that. Dr. Fauci said if you got the vaccine, you couldn't transmit the virus. And they also told us That for the first virus in all of human history, there's no such thing as natural immunity. Like, what are you talking about? So, yeah, of course we don't believe these
3: guys. Yeah, what a scam. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, and I know this has been said a million times in the last few weeks, but the conspiracy theorists went 10 and 0 during COVID. i mean undefeated they were like the 72 dolphins of conspiracy theorists bob greasy where's larry zonka <laughs> where's when Tim you need him
0: Kick, mercury morris uh what was it nick bonacani yeah. all those fancy names nick bonacani zonka like you never saw names like about the c and the z and zonka like you never saw stuff <laughs> like that When i, I was a, i was a kid and they were the team beating my favorite jack lambert and the pittsburgh steelers and when i was a kid in grade school i'm like Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Paul Warfield was yep. an Ohio guy. Yeah. Right? Was... Like, important. like, they had a great team. Yep, they did.
3: And they went undefeated in 72. <laughs> the so only funny.
0: You're not old enough to remember all that. You go back to NFL films.
3: <laughs> yeah, you go study. You used to watch those John Facenda films where he'd narrate with the... <laughs> that voice. That yeah, voice and the band music.
0: I loved that when I was a kid.
3: Oh, it was the best. Yeah. There was like, you know, they yeah, were...
0: When I was a kid, I'm so old, you had to wait till, like, I think it was, like, Saturday at 1 mm-hmm. to, like and to get like the highlights or you know from yeah. the week before you had, like you got 1 well, hour a week now you get like 24 hours oh, every day. You think about this now. Sales.
3: Think about this now. A guy hits a home run uh in the top of the second and the team is tweeting out a video before he's rounded the bases. <laughs> I I think about that, Jim. I used to watch growing up it was called <laughs> it was I used to watch a show called <laughs> This Week in Baseball. This Week in and
6: Baseball. You I were remember you were watching that.
3: the following the la- the previous week's highlights. You waited a week.
0: <laughs> oh, where do we? And that that guy's voice. Who was that? He had that Mel Allen. Too. Mel Allen. Oh yeah, he was so good.
3: How about
0: That was that. so good. That's when sports were just like you didn't have all the politics. You just had like who won the game, who played well, who yep. tackled who, who hit a home run.
3: Yep. Well, oh, I get cared. tired of it
0: all. That's you see we, now. Where like, like guys can compete against girls in powerlifting listen I,
3: i've said this before man the reason i don't speak out against this is the only way i'm going to pay for college is if lincoln gets a women's basketball scholarship <laughs> so i i can't crack down too hard i gotta get the link man into duke and save some money he's six four you tell me he can't get he can't make the girls team at six four six five come on man you gonna make a no
0: no come on yeah he's gonna be playing the nfl tied in <laughs> right in, six, four. You got to get, get him lifting hard, get, get help him do time for the strength training, bigger, faster, stronger, all that
3: good stuff. No, no, he does. He has been lifting um, and it's funny, he's at that age where, you know, when you get a passion for this, for competition and for lifting, like last night they picked me up at the airport, we had dinner, and he passed out on the couch. And my wife, like, li- literally didn't want me to wake him up and send him up to his bed because she was afraid yeah. that if he woke up, he was going to run downstairs and start lifting dumbbells. Yeah. And, and and sh- oh. Yeah, and sure enough, at, I love that attitude. at 11 o'clock, unbeknownst to me, he had set an alarm in his phone, so an alarm went off, woke the whole house up. I'm like, oh. dude, it's 11 o'clock, go to bed. He's like, I didn't lift yet. And I'm like, God. Oh, I love that. I know. I, I love that. I, I know. I love
0: it's, kids who are, like, hungry to hungry to train, man. I, I, I've i seen it so do, much do in, you, like, do the you remember wrestling kids. Yeah, yeah.
3: Do you, I was going to say, do you remember being at that age, when you're so passionate about sports, that you're working it into conversations where it doesn't belong? So, like... <laughs> You know, yeah. an adult asks you if you want if you want pepperoni pizza or sausage, and you go. Jim Brown led the league in rushing in 1960.
0: So into it, yes. so into it. And, and- then, when, but when a kid sees the goal and he starts training for, it, starts yep. working hard, and then. What happens is they, they get more confident, they, which causes mm-hmm. them to work harder, and pretty soon they get there. They, yes. they like achieve they, – they, they get what they're after, and then it's like get out of the way because now they're like yeah. – that's
3: when it's so fun. That's well, when it's so fun. Well, being around that, you know, I kind of bring it up. It, it serves the conversation well because that's kind of what we're getting away from in society is that right now the government and the Democrats are pushing a lot of able-bodied people into codependency. You know, we yeah. have a social safety net for people who can't do for themselves, but they're teaching a lot of young, able people not to have that ambition. Like, don't you feel like on some level that's really undermining society because people don't have that self reliance, that determination?
0: Yes. And it's this, 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 uh, attitude that competition is somehow bad when i was a kid i competed every stinking day you mm-hmm. competed in the classroom like on the flashcards, who can answer yep. seven times six the fastest you mm-hmm. know you competed on the pl- we got in fights on the playground we can play kickball in the playground we played football wiffle ball you mm-hmm. played every game you could play and there was always like a fight but then the next day the guy was on your team and he's your best buddy yep. it's like but you competed every single day now it's like oh competition's scary give them all a trophy don't <laughs> really keep score like what like yeah, no. it's, life is about competing. competing. Competing and learning from it. And frankly, you learn a lot more sometimes from when you lose Mm -hmm. than when you win, but you got to do both. And in order to have one of those happen, you have to
3: compete, for goodness sake. Dude, it is so true. And the problem with everybody gets a trophy is not everybody learns to catch a ground ball. And I've lost a lot of money betting Little League, I have lost (laughs) big money. Huge money betting Little League. It's not good. But I'll, I'll tell you one more sports story then before we go. Yeah, yeah. So I have I made – I just
0: remembered the names. Pat Summerall, Tom Brokaw. Oh, no, yeah. No, not Brokaw. That's, that's, that's the, the – yeah. Tom uh, Brookshire, Brook.
3: Brookshire, Brookshire, Brookshire. What was – those were
0: the guys who did that show. Tom Brokaw was the –
3: Yeah, yeah, the news anchor. Yeah. But – that's it funny.
0: Pat Summerall and Tom something. I can't think of the name. Oh, they I'm were so that. good on that Saturday. Yeah, High
3: yeah. I like the football. Yeah, oh, I know that show. Okay, because I, I the one I was watching, I would watch the Facenda ones. I watched the hell out of Madden, uh, excuse me, out of Mel Allen this week in baseball. That was my show. Yeah, I would watch fun. it every yeah. week. Yeah, like we, we, we kind of need that, you know, that escape. We're not getting it because everything's politicized. Everything's nuts. But I think one of, you know, the upsides to this is that we're outgrowing that as a country, too. Like, I don't I don't think everybody wants to be as angry and as cutthroat. And I think another thing we're seeing, too, is within the Democratic Party. I don't know if you caught this. 31 percent of Democrats want Biden to run again. That's really low within your own party. But do you maybe take that as a sign that they know it's time to move on or just because they're scared that he's in his late hundreds and he can't win?
0: Well, it could be. It could be. Uh, it could be. Let's hope it's both. Uh, uh, well, let's hope it's more of the former, I should say. Yeah. But you know, the, the, you even saw there, there was this bill that we had passed on DC crime, and and uh, he, he said he was going to, you know, sign that bill. So maybe he's thinking, you know, he needs to change a little bit because, uh, you know, yeah. even Democrats want safe streets for goodness' sake, right? We all yeah. want safe streets. You think it's just the, 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 the Democrats in in City Council and Democrats mm-hmm. in Congress. Um, so yeah. maybe maybe they're finally seeing a little bit of the light. The closer we get to the presidential election, I assume they'll see a little more light, mm-hmm. but they're still pretty darn crazy.
3: Yeah, it's crazy, cause the, and that, that bill was crazy. And to be clear, we have – I mean you have to have some empathy for criminals if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I mean it was half the team in the 90s and the aughts. The, ben, Jim, Jim the, the Bengals had the only team photo that's taken from the front and the side. But it's uh, another story for another time. But, oh, Lord. But, but even but even, you know, we got to play some defense. We need some law and order. Um, yeah. What did you leave? Did you leave uh, CPAC thinking Trump still has the fastball?
0: Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I wasn't there for the whole week. But I, I talked to I talked to the president. Uh, I thought and I, I didn't get to see his speech because we were in New York, but mm-hmm. um, I read read certain parts yeah, yeah. of it. I thought he, I thought he was right on target as he always is. He always connects. The thing about President Trump is he's he's so good cuz the audience knows he cares about them it's it's mm-hmm. and it's genuine it's not just something fake it's yeah. it's it's real and and that's that connection he has and very few people have it and you saw it a couple weeks yeah. ago when uh Palestinian. when he shows up in East Palestine, yeah and he and he's buying big Macs at the at McDonald's for for the folks <laughs> they're showing like this that is that is the i think one of the key differences not not only you know not mm-hmm. not to mention that he was a great president got did more of what he said he was going to do than just about anyone i've ever seen so uh, but it's that he connects with people. And, yep. you know, that's what the mainstream press doesn't get. And it's sad because the country doesn't get to see that side. Now, I feel fortunate. I know you've been around him. Uh, I feel fortunate. I, I, I get to see that he genuinely cares about people, and when you're around him, you cannot help but like
3: you. Yeah, no that that part is absolutely true, and and it's funny because him going to East Palestine is absolutely why Booty Judge finally showed up because he wasn't going. Mm-hmm. That yeah. wasn't that was an action, that was reaction. But you know, yep. They spilled another train yesterday, and I had said over the I weekend, I do believe Michigan football is more popular in your state than Pete Booty Judge at this point. <laughs>
0: No, it, it, yeah, Mr. Buttigieg is pretty unpopular.
3: I think.
0: <laughs> He's I think the accurate. the Jim
3: Harbaugh of transportation secretaries. <laughs> They're not having it. Yeah, oh man, you know, it's,
0: it's it's terrible what's happened. Uh, now, thank goodness this wasn't like uh, over in the eastern part of the state yeah. uh any yeah, time But enough. Springfield, it was it was uh, you know no one no 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 real tragedy like we had over on the other side. But yeah, yeah nice. but this is something we're gonna have to get a handle on. Maybe it does take. Maybe it is going to take some legislation and some some new rules. And I see where I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I saw the headline where Norfolk and and, and Southern is, is talking about certain changes they want in their, their safety plan. So uh, we'll, t- we'll take a look at that. I'm sure.
3: Yeah. Heaven forbid we keep the trains on the tracks. Come on, man. Yeah. This is yeah. something yeah. we learned as little kids. I got Mike Lincoln played with Thomas the train. We, we kept him on the track. <laughs> How hard is this? Come on, man. Uh, listen, yeah. I appreciate your time. Keep playing good ball, my man.
0: All right. Take care. See take you,
3: Jim. You're the best. Jim Jordan from the fourth congressional district of Ohio. I may or may not be doing a stand-up show in his district, July the 29th. I forgot to mention it while he was still on the phone. But I will be in St. Mary's, Ohio. If you're out that way, people are like, when are you going to come to Ohio? It's your wife's home stay for Christ. You know, when are you going to show up? Show a little love to Ohio. Not only am I showing a little love to Ohio, but I am showing up to the anniversary of the St. Mary's Theater for free. And I'm bringing my Fox friends and my pals and we're going to burn it down to the ground on July 29th and sing all the hits and do a meet and greet and take the photos and do everything in between because we go big. It's, you know, Jenny Phala, the belle of the ball, the only girl that matters in the universe for my money. So they're getting the damn deluxe is what they're getting July 29th. So if you want to be there, buy a frickin ticket and I'll see you in St. Mary's.
1: Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig
3: it? <laughs> a show
2: so good, it's hard to describe.
3: It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as and uh, you know.
2: It's Fox Across America with Jimmy
3: Thaler. You know, so, uh. It is the bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Thaler. Taking my talents over to the TV after this. I will be on with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy on the bottom line at 6 o'clock on the Fox Business Network. And then at 9, I'm on the Fox News Channel with Sean Hannity going toe to toe. It's going to be a wild one talking about this Democratic polling about Biden. 31% of Democrats want him to run again. Biden is such a disaster. 31% percent I mean, that's a bad number. When you look at the number on the country, 70% of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction. I mean, if this is, you know, an Uber driver, 10 of you get in the car, seven of you are convinced he's going the wrong way. You know what that means? The other three of you are hammered. Bingo. (laughs) Those are the people that support Biden. Everybody wants to talk about the 69% that don't support him. I'd like to have a word with the 31% that still do. They're crazy. Seriously. But the show's over. Pay up, get out, be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. Just don't be a